Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, well, will you turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 6? That's where the Lord's Prayer is in verses 9 to 13 and where we've kind of been jumping off of. And um, I will say that next Sunday we're going to start our our new series. It should be 10 sessions. It has a little short five-minute video segment probably at the beginning, and then we'll go through. Um, It's called The Church in Babylon, and it's talking about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and uh, those who were taken captive when the Babylonians came in and invaded Israel uh, in in those biblical books in times of the prophets. And uh, really a good, called The Church in Babylon, heeding the call to be a light in the darkness. There's a lot of parallels between God's people then, uh, living in a culture that was very against what Mm-hmm. what um, God's Word says and what we're living in now. And so I've got some study guides here. I've got six left, uh, $5 a piece. And if we run out, I can get more. They came in like two or three days, and they're really helpful. Moody Publishers has been. It's um, The book was written by, and this study was prepared by Erwin Lutzer. He's the pastor at Moody Church there in Chicago. And so solid theologically, and um, I'm looking forward to that study. But come and get me after the service if you'd like one. I, I may or may not have change, but you can always write a check if you'd like just for $5 and um, for the, the books we have here. All right, one thing that we've done it, so far is we've always kind of recited, or, or if you've got your Bible open, we've gone together and gone through the entire Lord's Prayer in verses 9 to 13. So I invite you to do that with us once more this evening. Verse 9 says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So tonight we uh, conclude our study on the Lord's Prayer. And I've learned a good bit uh, as we've delved in here and things that Tommy's brought out when he's led the study. The final phrase we have here in in verse 13, after lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, is for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever forever. Amen. And that's how we're going to break up our study tonight. Thine is the kingdom, power, and glory. And then the, the amen at the very end. And um, so let's look at the, that first phrase, uh, really the conclusion of this prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we, we had six petitions in verses 9 to 13. And Jesus concludes them with this final phrase. And the first word in this phrase, I believe it's important, it's for. It's a small word, just a you know, a conjunction type of thing. And when Jesus starts this last phrase out with that small word for, he's teaching us that, that all of the requests that we've already studied so far in the previous weeks, all these six petitions they, they, and everything they entail is being said because 
for or because, Lord, yours is the kingdom and power and glory. They belong mm -hmm. to you, God, and they belong to you alone. So it would be like you and I um, saying, Father in heaven, I want your name to be holy. If we mm -hmm. go back up to verse 9, I want your name to be holy. God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. Uh, God, I, 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 want, uh, I want you to provide everything that I need for today. Give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And um, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive me of my sins, just as I forgive other people. Uh, because, because, or for, to you alone is the kingdom and power and the glory. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to take a look at those three words that Jesus includes here. Because he could have said anything, right? He could have just said, and then say, in Jesus' name, amen. Why did he choose to conclude it this way? For thine is the kingdom and power and glory. Uh, so let's look at kingdom first. Jesus teaches us to pray, God, because the kingdom belongs to you and to you alone, please grant these requests. That's what we're saying when we wrap up our prayer this way. And um, the Greek word for kingdom is basilia. That's the word that Jesus chose there. Uh, it means kingdom, obviously. That's what it's translated. <laughs> but um, it actually, it also has to do with God's sovereignty, sovereign mm -hmm. authority. Whenever it's in the Bible, that word, uh, God's sovereign authority. So it's especially of God, even reign. And I, I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. um, translation. For yours is the reign, God. Mm -hmm. uh, both in this world uh, and in the hearts of men. And um, back when I first became pastor, we were planning a trip to Moldova before the whole COVID thing happened. And I got on that little app with the owl and I was trying to learn Romanian. And um, they, I, I came across the word for church. It's basirica, um, which is a very close form from this, from, from the Greek and in Greek and Russian mm -hmm. Orthodox churches, it's uh, right. Basilia still. Right. And, and I thought that was neat because really what they're saying for us, it would be Dublin First Baptist Kingdom or Dublin First Baptist Reign. So it's so much more than a building or even a group of believers. It's a group of believers who have submitted to the lordship and mm -hmm. sovereignty of God. And so I thought it was a very interesting um, word that Jesus chose there, that, that when we come together here, this should be a place where citizens of his kingdom, ambassadors for his kingdom, we come and meet together and we're comforted and we're encouraged and we're strengthened in a world where at this point, much of it has not yet submitted to his, right. his kingship. That's mm -hmm. going to happen one day. But mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite passages, I'll ask you to turn there, Luke chapter 12, and we'll be... Um, we're only going to look at a couple of passages tonight, but that's one I wanted to take a look at because it's, it's kind of a parallel of the Sermon on the Mount uh, where we find the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, Luke chapter 12. And we're not going to read all of verses 22 to 34, but uh, as you're turning there, this is um, the same, almost is the same context that we find the Lord's Prayer in, um, like where Jesus teaches uh, them in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry, don't be anxious. Look to the lilies of the field, how God clothes them. Uh, that comes right after this Lord's Prayer passage here in Matthew. Mm -hmm. and, and here we find it in Luke, in verses 22 to 34. God is telling, Jesus is telling his disciples, don't worry, because God knows what you need, and he will provide what you need. Mm -hmm. But I asked Tommy to read um, verse 31 and 32. All right. So Luke 12, 31 to 32. 
But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So it's a lot like the passage in Matthew. Mm-hmm. We said, seek ye first the kingdom right. of God. Luke says here, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things that you're worrying about. Mm-hmm. God knows you need them. He's going to provide from seek his kingdom. But where it differs is in verse 32, because Luke records Jesus as saying, don't, don't be afraid. You have no reason for fear. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I just love that because um, I don't always think that way in my prayers. Uh, we need to come to the place where we realize that, that God, our Father, who we're praying to, our Father who are in heaven, he is not a, a hesitant Father who is annoyed when we come to him with our prayer requests. Mm-hmm. What does it say here? What a promise. It's his good pleasure. Yeah. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yeah. Well, that's really what Jesus is teaching about in the Sermon on the Mount, is what does it look like to be a kingdom citizen? What does the kingdom of God look like, and what is a kingdom citizen? What is their conduct? What do they act like? Mm-hmm. So, And I came across this week from a quote from Theodore Kyler. I think that's how you say it. He was a Presbyterian minister here in America in the late 1800s. But he said, do not let us think of prayer as a coaxing of or a conquering of uh, a reluctant friend, but rather we need to think of prayer as the confident appeal to one who is always wise and who is always willing to give us what is best for us. Mm-hmm. Of course it is, because it's his good pleasure to right. give us a kingdom. Right. And the second, we find the word power. We say, thine, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So we'll look at power. Um, and the Greek word there is dunamis. Uh, Dunamis. I had a student named Dunamis <laughs> when I was teaching school. It actually made a lot of sense. Uh, I forgot what that word meant in Greek, but um, Dunamis is where we get our English word for, does anybody know? Dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> and Dunamis had some dynamite sometimes in class. But, um, <laughs> uh, and its usage here it means the ability to perform. Why? why? Why would Jesus teach us to include this in our final phrase as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up our our prayers to him. Um, well, why pray if you don't believe that God has the power to even answer it in the first place? That he doesn't have the power or the ability to perform what you're asking him to. And um, this is a familiar verse for you all, but God has the apostle Paul and the third chapter of Ephesians with these verses. Now to him who is able, he's able, right, to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all. We could ask in prayer. Right. We can ask or think. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I wonder how many times we are like, and I, I was thinking, I wish I, there's more than I wanted her to be. How many times are we like the early church in Jerusalem that we find in, in Acts chapter 12? And you are probably familiar with this account, but Peter is in prison, right? And the church is praying that God would deliver him out of prison. Uh, Knowing that's a tall order, uh, because Peter was bound with two chains mm-hmm. between two guys. Um, and then there were guards outside, it says in that passage, guards outside his jail cell door. It would, it would take something powerful mm-hmm. um, to, to let him be free. And you know the account. God sends the angel that does. He miraculously delivers Peter from prison, leads him outside of the city. Peter is actually so miraculous, he thinks he's dreaming it at first. Um, And they go to the door, 
of, um, it's probably John Mark's mom's home. It was mm-hmm. where the church is praying. Right. They're faithfully praying. And as far as meeting together and praying, I don't know how faithful, full of faith their prayers are. Because what happens? He knocks on the door. Little Rhoda, little girl comes and answers the door. She's so excited that their prayers have been answered. She doesn't open it. She runs back and tells everybody. And what do they do? They call her crazy, right? Mm-hmm. They say, you are beside yourself mm-hmm. uh, to this, this poor little girl. And um, they were. They were faithfully praying together like we're supposed to depend on God in prayer. But right. did, they, did they believe in the dunamis of God? Not, not really by their reaction, and it's a great lesson for, for us. Uh, were they truly praying in faith? Were they praying, uh, you know, in faith of God's power, his dunamis? And I've said it before, I mean, it was uh, the angel that fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer. It was the prayers of God's people who sent that angel. Mm-hmm. And um, when, when we conclude our prayers with this, or even include it with this statement, God, because yours is the power there's no one more powerful than you. There's nothing more powerful than you. Well, then we're, then we're praying with the confidence uh, and praising God correctly in our prayers, like Jesus tells us to as, as he concludes this pattern for prayer. Uh, you know the passage in James where it says we are to ask for wisdom, but how are we to ask? That's just one single prayer request. We could apply it to other anything we ask God for. We're to ask what? In faith. Mm-hmm. Nothing wavering, no, no doubt, uh, because it says whoever doubts is like a sea that's tossed back and forth, driven by the wind, and, and God says through James there, don't let that man suppose that he's ever going to get any answer from the Lord. So there, there's an element of our faith that needs to be there in God's power. When we pray, we need to realize the power in prayer is words or uh, our prayers or what we say, the power in prayer. The power of God, right? Mm-hmm. It's the power of God yeah. that's the power in prayer. It says it's explosive. Mm-hmm. His power is unlimited. Um, yeah. Well, that's really what Jesus is talking about earlier on in Matthew chapter 6, too, where he's talking about not praying with vain repetitions mm-hmm. and things of that that's nature. That's a good point. You know, the, they were they was making a contrast there that that's what heathen people did. They thought they could somehow manipulate their gods if they said just the right words and the right, right amount of words. Too many words. Too or many so words. Many, yeah. So many, yeah, so... You know, Jesus said, don't pray like that. That's not praying in faith. That's not praying in the power of God. Mm. And finally, Jesus concludes um, that this first phrase with, for thine is the glory. So mm-hmm. when, we, when we pray, we should, I'm not saying you have to say this phrase, just like the rest of the pattern for prayer. It's mm-hmm. a guide for right. us to spring off of. But we should have this in our minds, mm-hmm. that the kingdom belongs to God. We are under his reign. Mm-hmm. and that uh, his is the power and his alone. And then because of your glory, God, because of your glory, that's what we're saying. We're saying thine is the glory. Um, it's because of your glory that we bring these requests to you. Now, the beautiful thing about that part is that does what all of this, all of the Lord's prayer has done all along. It, it makes sure that prayer is aligning my will with God's will. Mm-hmm. And that, that's an important thing. Uh, I am not bringing my Christmas of, list of things I want to God. It keeps my prayers very theocentric, very God-centered right. when we say, for thine is the glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm asking God to align my will with his and to answer these requests only, only in the way that will bring me the most good and him the most glory. Right. 
so then as a result, if, if my prayer is answered by God in a no or in a not yet, my faith doesn't crumble. Mm-hmm. I'm still with great faith in God's power. I'm praying with recognition mm-hmm. that this no and this not yet, um, this is for God's glory and it's for my good. Yeah. Um, Jerry Bridges had this quote that's just powerful. In his love, God always wills what is best for us. And in his wisdom, he always knows what is best for us. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it uh, about. Mm-hmm. And he, he said um, in that same book, he said, if, if we are going to learn to trust God when the answer to our prayers is a no or a not yet, if we're going to learn to trust God, we must believe that God will not allow anything to subvert his glory. He won't. And so he will not allow anything to spoil the good he is working out in our lives for our good and his glory. Mm-hmm. That's important. It's important that we get that because there is nothing that God is more about than his glory. And I'm very thankful for that. If there was anything that was more important to God than him being glorified, whatever that is would be more important than God. So I'm glad that that is his perspective. And because of that, um, our prayers and our response to his answer to our prayers Mm -hmm. is to believe in faith that his answer, whatever it might be, yes, no, wait, not yet, um, it's always and only to glorify him mm-hmm. and to bring good to us. Those aren't two separate things. Right. Um, now, it may seem like from our perspective, because yeah. we have such a, a tunnel vision and limited vision while he's, you know, he's outside of time and, and space, mm-hmm. um, but he does, he works all things for our good and for his glory. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, that, and that really go does go, that really does go to praying in faith and having Christ as the object of our faith mm. and our faith firmly grounded. And I, was, I heard somebody this week talking on the radio about circumstantial faith, you know, that if everything's going well or everything seems to be doing what's right, then we kind of feel good and we have, and then something goes wrong and suddenly our faith is shattered. And because it does, right? How many of you found out in your life that life doesn't go the way you want it to all the time? I know I have. Uh, and so, you know, but that's that praying in faith, recognizing in God's glory here, being in what we're talking about right now, that it's, it's for your glory, realizing that when those things come along, God has a purpose, and there's a glorifying purpose in what's going on in our life at that moment. It's hard to believe sometimes, because mm-hmm. we only see very limited portions of that. But right. that is, is, has that not been the record we have here from Genesis to Revelation? It's how he's always worked, mm-hmm. and he's immutable. It's how he always will be. And so when it comes to our life, we have to believe the very same thing is going on, even though we might not see it this year. Right. We might not see it the next 10 years. We might not see mm-hmm. it in this side of, of glory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But so when we're praying, thine is the glory. We're, right. I mean, it's so much more than just a right. phrase. It needs to mm-hmm. be. It needs to be like, what is the theology mm-hmm. of what I'm just, Jesus is teaching me to say there. Yeah. Uh, getting a good reminder, and these truths—these are truths that strengthen our faith, and also they, they propel our praise of God, even in mm-hmm. difficult life circumstances. So that's the that's conclusion get, Jesus gave us there, but there, it doesn't end there. It ends with a, an amen, right? And um, so this is this too. It's not just a, okay, we're done. You can open your eyes and get on with whatever else you need to do for the day. Uh, in, in Greek, 
which is amen in Greek is actually a form from the Hebrew um, that they kind of transliterated over. But it just means truly. It means most assuredly. Uh, it, but if it's given as a response, whether to a statement, like here maybe in church when somebody says amen to something that's said, or uh, in response to a prayer, uh, it, it means so let it be. Let it be so, or different, I mean, same, mm-hmm. same thing. Uh, and so Jesus teaches us here in this pattern for prayer uh, that he gives us, that, that this is how we should end our prayers, by, by saying amen, and we usually say in Jesus' name, amen, coupling mm-hmm. other teachings uh, in the New Testament, uh, you know, if you ask anything in my name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we, we add that in there. Uh, but this is how we should end our prayers, or maybe end is not the best word, since we're supposed to pray without ceasing. This is how we should pause our prayers till we mm-hmm. pick them uh, up again. Uh, and God also teaches us that we, why we should end them this way. And I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And, and I came across this like 10 years ago, and I just, I love it, because I, I don't know, I, I guess I, I didn't really wonder why we said amen. I just took it for granted and that's how I heard other Christians pray when I, that's how I learned to pray. I didn't take a class on praying or anything. When you're growing up, you hear your mom and dad pray, your grandparents, people in the church pray, and they give you a shot. And usually the first one or two are pretty rough. <laughs> and then, uh, but you just, you kind of follow the pattern. And that's why mm-hmm. Jesus gives us this here. But uh, I have time to read Second Corinthians 1, 18 to 20. It says, but as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Okay, so verse 19 there, um, it says, but in him, but in Jesus uh, was yes. What, What we're being told here is that in Jesus Christ, God's answer to us is yes, and then verse 20 gets more specific about it. All of God's promises. And that doesn't mean everything we ask for, the answer mm-hmm. is yes. Verse 20 says, all of God's promises to his people are yes to you, his people, in Jesus Christ. They're yes and actually yes and amen, or yes and most assuredly, yes and truly, yes and so let it be. Mm-hmm. All of God's promises are to us, yes and amen, in Jesus Christ. And I love what it said there because it kind of tied it right in with Jesus' final statement, to the glory, Mm -hmm. to the glory of God the Father. And so that is why we pray as Christians in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. When when we pray, we are praying with confidence that what God has promised, he will do. Mm -hmm. He will come through on everything that we've considered here tonight, that that it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom and, and that there's power in prayer because we're accessing his power, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person that availeth much. Right. Uh, not because we avail much or our prayers do, but because of who we're going to and his, his mm-hmm. unlimited power, his omnipotence. And, um, and that we have a God, all of these promises, that we have a God who is so concerned with, he's so consumed with his glory that he's going to always do, he will always do whatever he does for his glory to work things together for his glory. And that, that is always good for us. may not seem like it, may not feel good, yeah. but that's always good for us. And so all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And then notice those last two words in verse 20. This amen is given by us. And then what it said? Given by us. 
uh, in prayer. So we're following what Jesus says here when we follow what Paul says here. Uh, There's a modern version. I like how they put it. Uh, It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So when you say amen, you are saying, so let it be, God. You You are literally in faith saying, I believe I can count on your promises. I believe you will always be faithful to come through. I'm not going to be the first one where you, you don't come through. Mm-hmm. The situation is not going to be the first. Amen's a lot more powerful than it, we probably often understand it when we're, mm-hmm. when we're saying it. And um, we, we, need, we need to wrap up our prayers and the faith that expresses them in these beautiful realities in this final last phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, that forever God is king and that it's his good pleasure to give us a kingdom. Uh, forever God is omnipotent, for his is the power. There's not another power that can get in its way. There's not another power that can circumvent God's purposes and plans, none. And, and then forever his is the glory. Our prayers need to request that God's glory is maximized, mm-hmm. and, and then, then we need to rest in the reality that that will always be the case. Right. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, he once said, unfortunately, much of our praying is just us trying to give God advice. That was kind of a stinging one for me because I've probably more than not, more than not that's been the case. And, and that mm-hmm. might be true in our feeble prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be true if we don't understand everything we've studied together over the last month or two yeah. in this Lord's Prayer. That's why Jesus gave us this pattern for prayer, to, to keep uh, our prayers from being that feeble kind where we're just trying to give God advice or just... Um, without faith, bringing him a, a wish list. Right. Uh, and it w- that will be impossible to do if we model our prayers on this pattern for prayer that Jesus gave us there in Matthew chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments? You, now, you, you might have a Bible where none of this was in there. <laughs> I see a few not. So um, you want to know the reason for that? Okay, so some modern translations. I, I went through like 50 modern translations this afternoon because okay. I was anticipating that question coming after, maybe not being asked in here. But um, there, there's two main bodies of ancient manuscripts the Bible is translated out of. Like 99%, they all agree. Uh, in the majority of texts, those ancient texts, it includes... For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. And the majority of them. In supposedly the oldest ones, which that's what you would want. You would want to get the oldest ones because you all know the game you play, like maybe in youth group or in class as an elementary school student and somebody passes something on and on and on. The further away it gets from the start, usually it can get a little more corrupted. And so uh, usually you want to go back. The most ancient texts do not include that. Um, and so the King James Version, the New King James Version, it is based on, on the majority text, mm-hmm. um, the, or the Textus, I'm sorry, the Textus Receptus that, right. that includes that. The um, Holman Christian Standard, does yours have it in there? It does. The Christian Standard, which came out of the Holman Christian Standard, it does not, right. even though it's like five years later. Yeah. Uh, ESV doesn't include it. New American, Ray, did yours include it? It's in brackets. It's in brackets. The, the pre- 
95, 95 and on back. There's been like five updates to the New American Standard, and from 95 on back to I think 77 was when it came out. They all include it, but I guess in some point after 1995, the textual people who assemble different versions, they said, well, I don't, it's not the oldest one. So uh, I don't, I, I'm of the opinion where I'd rather have it than not. Um, mm -hmm. especially since it's in the majority. But uh, that, that is why maybe if, you, if it wasn't in yours, you have an ESV or NIV or NLT or a CSB or ES, I don't know, how many did I say? Several. <laughs> if, you, if you have one of those, uh, that's why it's not in there. Okay, does that make sense? And so um, there's, other, there's other passages. We've come across those before. Mm -hmm. yeah, and exactly. where, or it might be in brackets or in a, a parentheses. But or at the bottom of your Bible. The bottom. Of, a lot of them like will put it there. And it will usually say these texts are, we put them here and not there because they're not included in yeah. what we say are the oldest manuscripts. Mm -hmm. And I say, I'm not trying to be snarky when I say that. I say when they say what we say are the oldest manuscripts, they're relying on carbon dating and what other human beings said the date of this was because yeah. none of us were alive in 55 AD to actually know. Right. But, right. All right. But you all did pretty good because some of you who have that, you quoted it right along with us. It's so familiar, right, that we've included it our, all our lives for that. And I think it's a good thing to include. For mm -hmm. that is a kingdom and power and glory forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. A lot of things. Hopefully you've seen what I learned this week, that there's a lot of important doctrinal truths in that last little phrase that so often just rolls off of our tongue. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else? We'll close in prayer, and then you get early dismissal. On Super Bowl night. Tommy, can you close us? <laughs> yeah, let's pray. God, we are thankful for this day, God, that you've given us and for this opportunity to study your word again tonight. And uh, just for the things that you have revealed to us, Lord, through your word over the last several weeks that we've been able to meet together and see the truths that are there in uh, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that, that we sometimes call it that way. We thank you, God, for giving us this portion of scripture that we can learn uh, the, the pattern, the way for us to pray, God, or the the, the things that are there. And we just ask that you would help and take and apply these things we've learned to our hearts and lives, God. May we uh, grow in our faith in you. May we walk away, God, with a new and uh, deeper understanding of prayer, God, becoming more real to us in our lives uh, through this study. We thank you for that, God, and help us uh, this week to be a light and example, God, to those as we go out from this place, Lord, that others may too uh, come to know you as Savior, Lord. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.